Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast, hosted by me, Tony Liebert. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Liebert and Instagram and TikTok at Tony underscore Liebert. For today's episode, this is our final regular season recap of the season. We'll be breaking down the Gophers' 28-14 loss to the Wisconsin Badgers as they fall to 5-7 and seven on the year. And oddly enough, they are bowl eligible. That is a conversation for another day, but we'll talk about this game. Um, I kind of laid down why I thought this was such an important game for the Gophers it could really shift the entire vibe and story that this season pulled. And it was a big opportunity for PJ Fleck to continue his ascension into being one of the better Gophers coaches against his rivals. But in this game, there was really nothing that showed that. Um, it was a lot of the same issues that this team had all year. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to rehash my thoughts heading into this game because I think I did that a lot after the Ohio State game, oddly enough. But, um, yeah, I, everyone knows that th this was a disappointing year, and I think the Gophers simply they lost to better football teams and they beat worse football teams. Uh, they were better than Nebraska this year, but clearly the two very comparable teams both ended up going five and seven, and it was a game that came down to the wire. Um, so those look like two five and seven football teams playing week one, um, and then you beat Eastern Michigan in week two. You're better football team than them, but it didn't look that pretty. Um, week three, North Carolina was a better football team than you. You lose on the road. Week four, uh, Louisiana, you win that. Wait, yeah, Louisiana was the week four game. Uh, this is some great podcasting right here. Uh, but, yeah, basically what I'm saying is they met their – they were a game or two below expectation this year. Their win total was at six and a half, obviously, according to Vegas. And I think that's an appropriate metric to look at when it, it comes to um, analyzing – a team and where they met expectations. Um, week four is Northwestern, who I thought I still believe is the, be the best team in the Big Ten West. Um, and they're playing the best football in the Big Ten West right now, in my opinion. Um, so that loss, as poor as it was, blowing a 21 point lead late in the third quarter, ultimately, I think it lost to a better football team. Um, there's no, that is not an excuse. Um, you should never blow a twenty-one point loss to a team, a guy especially who's coaching in his like third career game with David Braun, who ultimately might be a pretty good head coach. But um, that's a weird game to look back at now in November. Um, but Louisiana, you beat them by eleven, you're probably eleven points better than them. I think they're bowling. Um, Michigan, you got obliterated because you stink. Uh, Iowa was the only game that I mean, you were an underdog heading into that game, and you win. And that's something P.J. Fleck did a lot early in his career with the Gophers, but really hasn't been doing much lately. Uh, Michigan State, you're a better team. 
Illinois is probably a better team than you, even though uh, I don't think they're going bowling. Yeah, they they are at five wins as well. There's a lot of good teams at five wins. I think Illinois is a good team. They just had some unlucky injuries and stuff. But uh, Purdue, so Purdue is a team Gophers probably beat more than five times out of ten. Iowa's a team they probably lose to more than five times out of ten. So there was one game you won as an underdog, one game you, you were an underdog against Purdue, but a game you should have won, essentially. You know what I mean? Um. So in the Wisconsin game, we lost to a better team. Wisconsin just looked like a better team. And the most frustrating thing watching that game, uh, I probably had a little too much fun before the game, but um, when I was there with two of my friends, I went to uh, all the home games except for the Louisiana and Michigan one this year because uh, I was on vacation for those. But um, that might have been the – the Illinois game was pretty frustrating. So there's a lot of games that it was just not fun to watch this year. Um, but what I'm getting at is the game started, they score a touchdown. You're like, oh, okay, they came to play, which they did. The play, it just there was a lot of games this year that I felt like the players came to play, but the coaches did. Um, scoring a touchdown, opening drive, that was that was great. Great from the quarterback, great from the offensive line, great drive, set the tone early. And then it's almost like the game plan, though, was just to hold on to that lead, not to build on it. And that was really kind of the entire antithesis of the the season for the Gophers. Uh, They did that, obviously, against other teams they played. Uh, They did that against Northwestern. That was kind of where everything started unraveling. Got back on track with Louisiana. Michigan was always going to be a tough game, but you got obliterated. Biggest loss in the history of the PJ Fleck era. Um, and then you got back on track with the Iowa game. So just at that point of the season, you were sitting there three and three. Yeah. Three and three. And you had everything in front of you. You had Michigan State at home. You had Illinois at home. You beat Michigan State. You had that Illinois game in the bag. To go to six and three, but you don't, and you lose there. Get blown out by Purdue on the road. Get blown out by Ohio State, and then you score in the first drive against Wisconsin. That's the first momentum they had since October. You're like, oh, okay, we showed up to play. Let's build on. This team still has the dudes, and I personally believe they did all season. They they had the dudes to be a seven eight win team, but the coaching just wasn't there. And I think that's kind of what showed in this game. Um, the the offense really missed uh, Darius Taylor. Um, once he went down, this offense just couldn't consistently move the ball. Um, against Illinois, they did a little bit. Um, and Jordan Newbin looked good in that game after breaking out against Michigan State. The Michigan State game was really nothing to write home about other than Jordan uh, walk on safety uh, carried your offense, but um, the Illinois game they kept up. Uh, the first half was so good. Uh, Revan Spanford getting involved, and then it's just I, I'm talking about not the Wisconsin game, but the the season just way too frustrating, and it it's gotten my thoughts all jumbled. It's just things just need to change, and in this game. It kind of fit the whole season. I, I believe in sports. 
more than anything, your team adopts the body language and personality of your head coach. I truly believe that um, Nick Saban is a no-nonsense guy, and Alabama's a no-nonsense team. For example, Ryan Day, who I think is a tremendous coach, I think there's a lot of stuff going on inside of that facility and locker room that he might not even be talking to the players about. But there's a lot of nonsense going on, and Ohio State, I think, has turned into a nonsense powerhouse program. They still get all the five stars, so they're still going to compete at an elite level. But to break through to that elite of the elite where Michigan, Georgia, and Alabama are right now, I think that's why Ohio State's struggling. And this year, I think P.J. Fleck coached with a sense of durability and not a sense of urgency. He coached with a sense of, we beat, I, I truly feel this watching from far, that this team had so much urgency heading into the Iowa game. That was such a big hurdle. And it just, that game was well coached, in my opinion, by P.J. Fleck. Those games are always going to be gross against Iowa, as long as Kirk Ferentz is there. And it, it, Obviously, the phantom pass interference call or uh, fair catch call and everything. But I thought PJ Floyd coached well in that game. He did what he needed to do, and they made plays when they needed to. And just since then, it's just this team just lacked urgency. And the Wisconsin game was nothing different. They just kind of rolled over. They're like, okay, we're up 7 0. Let's uh, kind of look toward the bowl game. And it just that's the vibe I got of just watching this team, which is very frustrating because I feel like the players on this team, they had the veteran leadership. They had Brevin Spanford, they had Tyler Newbin, they had Chris Ottenbell. And I feel like those guys led this team well. And it just I feel like there was too much on their shoulders. And the PJ Fleck that came to Dinky Town as the supreme motivator and guy who's going to get the most out of his players. I just didn't get that this year. And there's no reason why he can't change because he showed it before. Two nine-year win seasons in a row, 11 win season in 2019, had the COVID year in 2020. So, again, I, I think it's a little bogus to judge some coaches in the, on the COVID year and others not because he played the football games. And everyone was dealt with the same circumstances. So. But through the last four years, he was a very he was a good coach. Um, he led Minnesota to a position that all Gophers fans can appreciate, and uh, playing at that level is something that all, all that's what Gophers fans want. They they don't want to be worrying about a bowl game heading into the last week of the year, heading into the last regular season game of the year. If uh, Hawaii doesn't make that kick, the Gophers aren't bowling. So. Gophers fans don't want that. They've had that for decades. Um, and that's what PJ Flex said isn't going to happen. So that's the frustrating thing for my part is don't be selling something that you can't pack. And at this point, what really was disappointing this year to me was the offensive line too. That's something that PJ Flex preached a lot that he was going to get offensive linemen drafted. Uh, Minnesota hadn't had one in 20 years or whatever before he got there, and then he got Falele drafted. He got John Michael Schmitz and top 100 picks. 
Blaze Andrews on an NFL roster, Sam Schluter on an NFL roster. Uh, there was good offensive linemen on this team. And this year, uh, you had talent there. It's just none of these guys are going to play in the NFL. Uh, they might uh, get on a roster, but they're not going to play for very long. I hate to say it, um, nothing against them, but they're just not NFL players. And I think that really limited your offense. Like I said, in that Iowa game, the offense had an identity with Darius Taylor, and it just, after he stopped playing, it just, there was no identity. Uh, that's a, obviously a massive offseason storyline. Uh, I'm not going to say whether anything on that right now, but uh, there'll be plenty of other podcasts to talk about that, I think. And it's just this team that was just missing the identity. They they weren't a great running team. They wanted to be a run first team, and they weren't good at it. And they ha- had all these off the pass catching weapons that they were just not using. Um, and yeah, it was just this game was just kind of like eh. it was, they got a touchdown early, just like in the season they got the win against Iowa, and then they just kind of were like, oh, okay, we'll go home now. Um. And I think that really just comes back to coaching. It just wasn't a well-coached season. And I hope P.J. Fleck realizes that. That's all you can hope. Um, I personally think you need to make changes within the coaching staff. We've already seen the uh, tight ends coach, Andrew Soder, accept another position in a kind of uh, unique coaching role, not not at a, at a different school. but So it'll be the third year they're looking for a new tight ends coach. It was Clay Patterson um, in 2021. Greg Harbo Jr., the now offense coordinator, was the tight ends coach in 2022. And Soder in 2023. So um, they're going to be looking for a new tight ends coach for 2024. But that's kind of all, all we're at right now. There's one change within the coaching staff. I personally believe there needs to be more. Um, I, I don't need to call for anyone's jobs, but um, got to change something up. Uh, it's not my job to figure out what you need to change, uh, but I think anyone watching that can tell that whatever your offensive strategy heading into this year clearly didn't work. Um, Sean Tyler was a miss in the transfer portal. Uh, Darius Taylor was a big hit in the high school recruiting ranks. Incredibly talented player. He goes down. You're kind of out of luck. Now uh, you're looking towards a uh, walk-on former safety, and you're looking towards a redshirt freshman running back, Zach Evans, who has had injury issues of himself. So they're relying on those two guys. Evans goes down with an injury, and uh, kind of you're, uh, with Newbin and Sean Tyler, who fumbles the ball every other time he touches it. So um, when your identity is you want to run the ball and your running backs are incredibly thin, um, you're lacking talent in that area when all your talent is at the receiver position. These are receivers that can play at a lot of power conference schools. Um, Daniel Jackson could go play in the SEC tomorrow. He could go play on Michigan tomorrow. I truly believe that. I believe he is an NFL-level talent. Elijah Spencer is a guy who had a lot of high major interest coming out of Charlotte. He was the CUSA Offensive Freshman of the Year. And Corey Crooms is another guy who had, who had a lot of interest coming out of the transfer portal. 
And then we all know Chris Ottman Bell's a guy who's done it before. He's obviously dealing with a lot of injuries. Brevin Spanford's going to play in the NFL. It's just you had all these weapons, and the running game wasn't working. You had to just try something new. Um, it's just the lack of creativity and adjustments throughout the season, especially the second half of the season um, in the middle of this four-game losing streak. We're kind of all emphasized in this game versus Wisconsin. Uh, the, the defense was kind of at the same level it's been all year. Um, pretty mediocre, to say the least. Uh, Cody Lindenberg did not play in this game. He did play in this game. What am I talking about? Okay. Uh, I'm still recovering from the game myself, but uh, he looked rusty. He had that one uh, big game. And then he was out the next game, comes back this game, plays 67 snaps, has a PFF grade of 50 and a half, and he just didn't look like himself. It's it's hard for any player, any athlete in the country to go on and off playing. So um, when he's supposed to be your leader of your defense, him and Tyler Newbin, and they both didn't play well, it's just a tough thing to ask. Uh Retro freshman Coleman Bryson played his most snaps of the season with 63. Um, he looked pretty solid. Um, what I found interesting in this game, um, did Prayvon Jones get injured? What what is going on there? Might have missed something there. Again, this is some great podcasting. Um, but. Yeah. Yes, uh, Trayvon Jones did get injured. And Tyler Bride, Georgia Southern cornerback, was uh, jumped into a pretty big role because Tariq Watson was also hurt in this game. So uh, you were down to your, that would be your fourth starting cornerback. He was a guy who, in the offseason, had a chance to compete for that number two cornerback role, clearly didn't. I'll get to that level, but um, he played, and he played pretty well. He played 56 snaps, uh, 66.9 PFF grade, and it just, this defense had Tyler Newbin playing at an elite college football player level, and they just didn't have anyone else. The past few seasons, you get a guy like Jack Gibbons, who's playing at a really solid level at the linebacker position. Mariana Sorimarin goes kind of in and out. But ultimately playing at a very solid floor of you know what you're going to get out of him. And then um, you have guys like Terrell. There's just there might just be one NFL player on this defense. Um, and it's just not as talented as a team that I think people thought it was going to be. Um, John Joyner is a talented player, but uh, he's just been really inconsistent all year. Same with Danny Strigow. And uh, the interior defensive line has been really inconsistent. Um, Tyler Baugh, Devin Eastern. Devin Eastern's played well sparingly, but um, he kind of uh, wasn't able to take that next step. Um, Anthony Smith, as talented as he does look for a redshirt freshman, uh, he looks like a redshirt freshman. Uh, he's kind of played... Kind of in that 15 to 30 snaps every game this year. He had one game with 41 snaps, one with 34. Other than that, it was kind of uh, low was 10. So 
Uh, he had a couple solid games against the North against North Carolina. He looked really good. He had seventy three point two PFF grade. I remember that. But the last two games he struggled. Um, Wisconsin was his lowest graded game of his career, forty three point six. And uh, you need better play out of guys like that. Devin Williams, lowest graded player on the defense today or on Saturday, thirty seven point three PFF grade. Uh, Chris Collins kind of struggled. Uh, true freshman Zaquan Bryan also played in this game. That kind of tells you how much they trusted Tyler Bride. But um, he's a guy, obviously, you want to look out for heading into next year. But um, it's just oh, this game, like I said, it's just there are guys that make plays every once in a while, but they were just never able to string together to the consistency. And it, I don't know if that's a talent issue, if that's a talent development issue, if that's a transfer portal issue. PJ Fleck has mentioned NIL a couple times. NIL is not the issue with this team, in my opinion. Um, they had a relatively solid transfer portal class when you compare it to other Big Ten West teams. They filled their need. If you ask me in um, July or in the spring, if you ask me in uh, May, I would have said they had a pretty solid offseason. Uh, you lost some big names like uh, Flip Dixon, Trill Carter, guys who could play in the NFL. Um, you you lost those guys on this defense to the portal. But I thought they replaced them well. Uh, Trayvon Jones is a guy who showed the ability to play at a high level on this defense. I thought um, that was a big addition at the cornerback room. Um, but again, he was just too inconsistent. Uh, he made plays uh, week one, had a couple interceptions this year, but um, just you were just missing that something. And uh, Tyler Baugh was a solid addition from the transfer portal. He developed well. Um, he was really just under the radar guy that I certainly didn't have that big of expectations for, uh, but he's essentially someone you want to be your second defensive tackle, I think. And it's just at this point of the season, um, I was being optimistic early in the year, thinking that these portal ads were solid. Um, Jack Henderson, I thought he could replace Flip Dixon, but they missed those guys all year. And I, I think that's really all it comes down to. Um, they missed Cody Lindenberg's health. They missed uh, Flip Dixon at the safety position in the defensive uh, secondary. And they missed Trill Carter. Um, those three guys specifically, I think, were ultimately the uh, death of this defense. Um, they, they I, I'm talking myself into saying that they, 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 it was a talent issue. Um, I, I thought that the portal additions made sense, and obviously the coaching staff did too. Um, but you just need a little bit more. Um, and the fact that you saw it out of the players sometimes, I think, is a little then lazy to say we need more NIL money to go get more players in the transfer portal. But why was Trayvon Jones able to play at a high level every once in a while? Was I? It's a mixture of schematics and um, – talent, I think. Uh, I think it would be naive to blame it all on one thing. Um, I think this 
team was just not very well prepared all year. But I, I do think it was a talent issue too. So um, obviously in the offseason now we can kind of break down the positions, but uh, you get some uh, more quality playing time from a guy like Holman Bryson, uh, Maverick Baranowski uh, developed pretty well this year. Um, and you can have solid expectations for him going into next year. Uh, a guy like Ryland Kelly played a good chunk. Uh, Aiden Gooseby, Anthony Smith, all these guys, they got experience, which matters. But um, if Tyler Newbin's gone and Justin Wally could very well be too, um, hopefully to the NFL and not the thing that rhymes with the Ransford shortle. Um, but I just don't know who the stars on this defense are next year. Uh, Danny Strigow will likely come back. Cody Lindenberg will likely come back. But, man, if you lose Wally and Noob in this secondary, I don't know, man. You, uh, the secondary's got some big big shoes to fill. If uh, Because Saquon Bryan will probably have a big role at the cornerback position. Tariq Watson will have a big role at the cornerback position. Uh, Tyler Bride does have more eligibility remaining, so hopefully he can stick around. Um, but yeah, then you got Coleman Bryson, Darius Green, Jack Henderson does have another year of eligibility too. But it it just if this defense isn't doing it on paper, next year's defense right now is worse. Um, you're losing your two best players, and you're. Youth didn't show much this year. So, um, again, I'm kind of turning this into a, a off-season talk, but uh, this game was just frustrating. They just um, – and it seemed like they just didn't really care that much, which is frustrating. Um, but the, I think this next month is the, typically the most important month uh, for a college football coach especially when it comes to roster building, um, when it comes to future roster building with your um, high school classes, obviously, and, and the transfer portal. Uh, the Gophers need to retain – if Justin Wally wants to continue playing college football, that he should be number one uh, guy right now that you have to keep on this. Him and uh, Darius Taylor. Uh, if – I, again, I'm not saying anything, but Justin Wally is talented enough of a guy to do something like Flip Dixon did last year. And if you're on a 5-7 and seven team, and he could easily go home and play for Mississippi State, a, a school that he was heavily recruited by is from Mississippi, and he could be a starting quarterback there, playing the SEC, improve his draft stock. What you're, why, why would you uh, need a guy for doing that? this point it'll probably get more nil money but those two guys if they lose either one of those two guys that is a horrible blow to this team horrible uh from a talent perspective um th those should be priority one and two uh cody lenberg's minnesota guy so uh, i'd be pretty shocked if he left uh but uh, he's right he's in that second tier for me and then the defensive lineman, Jaw Joyner and Danny Strigow, depending if they want to return or go pro, um, they're right up there too. Um, 
but uh, those those are the guys you need to come back. Uh, D- Daniel Jackson too. It kind of escaped my head. He's, he's in that tier one. Um, he's a guy who could, probably could go pro, but if he decides to come back, it's Daniel Jackson, Justin Wally, and Darius Taylor. They need those three guys on this team next year. Um, but that, that's your uh, Daniel Jackson and Justin Wally is kind of your veteran leadership next year. So you're losing those veterans that were on your good teams now. Um, like Daniel Jackson and Wally are the only two, really. Um, Quinn Carroll, too, but uh, he's a veteran offensive lineman, highly touted coming out of high school, has a year of eligibility left. Hopefully he can come back. Um, he's a guy who will, would start on this team, deserves to start. But they need major upgrades on the offensive line. Um. Gonna be a long offseason. Talking about it right now. And like I like I've kind of said, I I think after a game after a performance like that, um, the seat is a little warm in my opinion. And if you have an early season game like the Northwestern game or if you flirt with a close matchup against Rhode Island or Nevada next year, um, the seat will warm up a little bit more, in my opinion. So um Big offseason for uh, P.J. Fleck. The way this team is built right now, Corey Parrish could come in and start day one. Um, I, I think that's what P.J. Fleck should be telling him right now. Um, the This roster right now, he's just as good as Coleman Bryson, I think, right now. And, and I like Coleman Bryce. Coleman Bryce is a pretty good football player. Um, he was the defensive MVP of the Pinstripe Bowl next year, but uh, Boy Parrish might step in and be the best safety on this uh, roster um, day one next season. So uh, that's what PJ Fleck better be telling him right now. And uh, you should let him play next year because those are the players you need on this team. Um, Nathan Roy honestly played pretty early too. If uh, Greg Johnson played this year, um, I'd be telling him that too. And uh, by all means, Drake Lindsay. Um, he's another guy that, Quarterback position will be talked about ad nauseum. Uh, I personally think when you see other teams across the country that had success, uh, Wisconsin just beat you with a transfer portal QB. Uh, Iowa, they had two transfer portal QBs. Um, but go, go out and get yourself one. You don't need to go get freaking Malik Murphy or Will Howard or Will Rogers. Go out and get a guy who started – double-digit games in his career, 20-plus games in his career, and tell him that you come in, you're a leader on this team, you do well this offseason, you'll be the starter. And you tell Ethan, we're going to bring this guy in because you were too inconsistent. You're you're going to have a battle with him. You just can't accept mediocrity, and that's what this team kind of did. So, And that's what they did in this game. So um, it'll be a long offseason, um, frustrating game to watch. The whole game will be absolutely thrilling when they play in Detroit against a Mac team. But um, as always, I appreciate you guys listening. Row the boat, Sky Uma, and go, go first. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.